Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi guys, I'm Jim. I'm the uh, Leicester City representative for the EPL Roundtable. You can find me on Twitter at JimKnight88. Hi, my name's Mark. I am the Liverpool representative tonight for the show. If you want to find me on Twitter, it is at Mr. Mark Simpson. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs recently. Jim, for Leicester thus far, it's very much been a tale of home and away splits. You've been terrific at home, not so much away, but you get the win this weekend. What was your view of that match? Yeah, it was nice to play a team that aren't expected to finish in the top six or seven um, by the vast majority because we've had a little bit of a difficult run, um, certainly away from home to start the season. If you you look past the whole game, um, you know, having to play Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, Manchester United all kind of away, um, it's been difficult to pick up any points, which then kind of breeds no confidence in the away form, which is probably partly why we've suffered so much and there's been such a disparity between the two um, two sets of form. It was it was a good game. I think we rode our luck a little bit um, first 20 minutes, particularly Christian Benteke had a chance where he hit the bar. Um, it was a Martin Kelly cross and he, he just dominated um, our two centre-backs at times in the air. It was a kind of a real source of concern. I know he's kind of one of the best in the air and stuff. You're not going to come up against players like that every week, but it's certainly a concern for us when you would have thought aerial balls into the box would have been playing to our strength a little bit. Um, based on what we've seen for, for quite a lot of this season and obviously most of last season as well. Um, so he hit the hit the bar and um, that chance came to nothing in the end. Um, before that, actually, Shinji Okasaki missed essentially what was an open goal. Um, Steve Mandanda kind of muffed a, a kickoff, uh, a kick out, and it went straight to him. Um, and it was kind of in that Claudio Bravo situation um, with, for Barcelona against Manchester City in the week where... Um, he was he was way out of his goal and all um, Okazaki needed to do was chip it over him. Unfortunately, he isn't Lionel Messi um, and he, he skied it and, and put it well wide. So that was a bit disappointing and it started to shape up like one of those games where we were going to regret um, not taking the chance when it, it came to us. It was so early in the game, I think it was literally two minutes in. So you kind of think, oh, not quite warmed up properly, not up to the kind of tempo of the game. And um, unfortunately, he didn't make the most of it, which is a real shame. Um, Leicester did break the deadlock though we kind of came into it second half of the first half um, sort of found our feet a little bit um, and the crowd started to get into it and stuff and it kind of came um, from a a usual source now we're used to Soleimani being the the source of assists and stuff but 
Um, it was good to see Ahmed Musa uh, coming into his own. It was uh, a good little move on the edge of the area and it broke to um, to Musa. And basically it was Martin Kelly again. Unfortunately, he wasn't doing anything good this time. He kind of showed, um, he tried to show Musa outside um, and kind of d- dropped his shoulder as if he was going to pass the ball out to Mares. Uh, which just basically gave him a free shooting lane, and he just arrowed a shot into the top corner. There was nothing uh, Mandanda could do about it. It was a, it was a really well struck um, effort. Great for him. Really pleased because he's he's looks low on confidence to be honest this season, and it's been difficult for him because he's had to feed off scraps. Um, he started the first game of the season against Hull. Um, tr- spent the whole game trying to set up Jamie Vardy, which he did quite well, to be fair. And Jamie Vardy spent the whole game missing open goals and putting balls over the bar from four yards and that kind of thing. Though. So real shame um, for him that he's not had quite the opportunity, but we deployed him on the left wing, which is really interesting. So Albrighton dropped to the bench and we started Okazaki and, and Soleimani up front. Um, and the second goal uh, came just um, inside the second half. I think it's about an hour on the clock at that point. Um, and there, again, another good move. Um, ball broke to Okazaki um, on the edge of the area and he just kind of smashed it in. The keeper had already made a save, so he was kind of on the floor. Um, it came off his leg, but kind of went straight into the net as well. So that was good. Again, really pleased for Okazaki because he's, he's been injury prone this year, kind of feeding off scraps. The problem is, I guess, every international break, he flies to Japan normally, um, or certainly the Far East to, to play World Cup qualifiers and the like for Japan. So it's a real kind of long slog for him. He's probably the last person back from World Cup qualifiers. Um, and he has real trouble getting into the team, bearing in mind, you know, we've got Jamie Vardy, who was last season's top goal scorer, and we've got Soleimani, who we've just spent 30-odd million pounds on um, a club record. And potentially, I guess, at the beginning of the season, he was probably behind Musa as well in the pecking order. But now we've managed to find a place for Musa, at least for the Palace game out wide. Um, that was really good. And then last but not least, speaking of first goals, Christian Foots got his first Leicester goal. Um, it's a, a real what a goal it was just such a good effort I mean it, it basically gets cleared from a corner and it's one of those where he, he kind of just runs straight onto it and it, he's hit it so well it's one of those rare strikes where the ball's just hovering in, in midair like it flies towards the net but it doesn't get any higher or lower than the point of which he struck it it just straight in um, and obviously just inside the post as well like pretty much unsavable from how hard he's hit it. it you know you could have had two goalkeepers to use the old cliche and they wouldn't have saved it between them um, because he'd hit it so well and so hard and you know I've been banging on about how Fuchs might be a good fantasy acquisition for people looking for um, someone who's going to keep clean sheets especially at home and potentially provide assists which he has done quite uh, you know a few times um, assists certainly and uh, I'd thought he'd um, he'd have a, a few more free kicks in him um, than what we have at the moment but obviously those duties tend to go to the likes of Mares and things so he's down the pecking order in terms of set pieces um, he was taking corners yesterday as well so that's interesting if, if Moose is going to start again regularly um, instead of Albrighton then um, free um, corner kicks on that side all seem to go to Fuchs um, and Musa would kind of take a, a bit of a, a deeper role um, to, to fill the, the hole, obviously, that Fuchs left defensively. So, again, that's something be- worth bearing in mind, I think, um, because Fuchs's de- quality of delivery is brilliant. Um, and for my money, he should now be on corners, whether or not all Brighton's in the team or not, because the quality of his delivery yesterday was a million times better than what we've seen from all Brighton this year. Um, so, yeah, and then Palace did get a consolation just towards the end, um, they did put us under heavy pressure. Schmeichel made a couple of really good saves and um, we managed to, to see it out in the end. It got a little bit nervy when Kabai scored. 
Um, and obviously, we've had a Champions League win as well. It was that much of an eventful game yesterday. I nearly forgot about the fact that we won <laughs> um, our third straight Champions League game against Copenhagen. Again, another kind of nip and tuck game that, to be fair, could have gone either way. We had a goal wrongly disallowed from Soleimani, which should have counted, I think, um, towards the end. And Kasper Schmarkel kept us in it with a, a brilliant kind of reflex stop going the wrong way and kind of got down low to his left and pushed the ball wide, uh, which saved, you know, saved us dropping two points from that winning position. So... All in all, a pretty good week to be a Leicester fan, to be honest. It's nice to have a week where we get two two back-to-back wins, two home wins, and then obviously going into... We've not got a League Cup game, because obviously we're already out um, this week, and then we go into the, the Tottenham game next week, hopefully kind of fresher, uh, bearing in mind Tottenham have got to play Liverpool in the week, and you know maybe we're able to take something from White Hart Lane, given that we've lost all of our away games this year and conceded about 14 goals, 13, 14 goals on the way. Um it's difficult to see us taking anything from that, but hopefully we're able to be fresh and make the most of it um, before going into the next round of Champions League games as well. Yeah, a couple of points you brought up. The Fuchs one, especially for fantasy, is terrific because Slomani is very good with his head, so those crosses also have a place to land. And I'm glad you brought up Champions League. It's the downside of us not having midweek shows anymore. Uh, we are doing the club updates, but obviously we can't catch all of them. You are currently winning your group. I think you're a win away from clinching, correct? Uh, I don't know if we'll win away from clinching. I think mathematically we'll qualify if we win um, in Copenhagen, but I think it mm. depends on the result of the Porto-Bruges game, um, whether or not we're, we're guaranteed top spot mathematically. And obviously that is the aim. We don't want to... Um, I've already seen people talking about rotating for like Champions League games and stuff, and it mm. just seems an absolute nonsense given that you don't want to take any chances until you're mathematically sure of top spot because the last thing you want to drew, do is draw like a Bayern Munich, an Atletico Madrid, a Barcelona. And obviously there are plenty of English clubs that are in good um, positions in their respective groups at the moment. The problem with that being that if all of those get through, then the amount of clubs that we could face significantly goes down. So, mm. you know, if you can't draw an English team in the next round and all four go through you really are up against it if you come second because you're going to get a group winner that isn't one of the English teams. Um, so, you know, you're almost guaranteed to get a, a real kind of elite, European elite team. And the last thing we want to do is go to all this effort to get into the Champions League, let it slip for the sake of rotation. But I don't think that's something Claudio is going to do. He's been very, very forthright with the fact that we're essentially sacrificing some of the Premier League performances. Chelsea, uh, last week in particular, uh, we're happy to take a 3-0 defeat there, knowing that we're probably going to be OK this year. We'll get enough points at home to make sure we're not in any danger and looking over our shoulders. And then everything's all about the Champions League, which for me is fine. It's mm. literally going to be the, the first and only time probably we're ever going to compete on that stage. Uh, why not give it a go? If we manage to get a winnable last six, you know, last 16 tie, then you can start to dream. But you know, let's just get to that position first and make sure we're in the best possible spot going into the knockout stages if we're able to get there. Even if, like, you go to the Bernabeu or the Now Camp, you know, or having Leicester City playing at those stadiums in, like, a last 16 or whatever, that's just an amazing feat and you should be able to just, like, just, just take it all day. You'll you'll quite happily have a mid-table finish in the league if, at the end of the season, you could say that, you, you, like, you, you know, you took on Barcelona at the Now Camp. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you look at some of the, the European elite teams this year and, you know, no one looks, it looks really open this year. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because Leicester are in it, but like you look at a lot of the teams that you'd expect to be dominating their um, European uh, domestic scenes. And it's like Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico to a certain extent. I know they lost to Sevilla today. They're not, you know, they're not impregnable. They're not, I'm not saying we're going to turn over any of those teams that have just name checked by Munich as well, but it's, 
it's one of those things where, yeah, over two legs, you know, funnier things have happened than Leicester being able to get a result given the quality of players that are able to call upon now. It's just one of those things that, you know, I'm going to Copenhagen um, a week, the week after next for the away game. And it's just, it's going to be a dream come true to see Leicester play in the Champions League. It's something that I never thought would be possible. Um, and obviously on top of last year and, and all the kind of fairy tale dream come true stuff that's come out of that, this is, you know, this is now the real day-to-day stuff that we have to deal with. We're a Champions League team and we've started really well with the first, I think, yeah, the only English team to ever win their first three Champions League games in the competition. Um, so that's, that's a record to be really proud of. Um, and whatever comes in, the, in, you know, we've got a very kind group, group draw, but whatever comes in the knockout stages, should we get there, it's just going to be an absolute bonus. Um, so yeah, it will be a, a kind of real good feel good factor. And again, stuff like that, you know, if you can't get up for those games, then there's not much point in, in, in you know, playing the sport. So hopefully we'll be able to carry some of that through into the league games and then if we go out, we go out. But there's big gaps in these Champions League campaigns between the, the group stages and the knockouts. So hopefully we'll be able to get a bit more league consistency going to kind of towards the very end of the year, um, going into 2017. So basically what we're saying is we'll be seeing Leicester at Cardiff at the, uh, in, in May oh, 2017. Well, at least it's an easy easy uh, trip if we do get into the Champions League final because come 2025, they're probably going to be in like Azerbaijan, LA, New York, by the sounds of it. Um, so... It, I'm probably going to hopefully make the most of a Champions League final that's not in a bloody seven-hour time zone away. Yeah, blame um, the Americans. Yeah, blame these Americans. <laughs> it's this new UEFA president who seems to think that he can take a, a Champions League uh, final to a non-European country, which just sounds nuts. But nothing would surprise me based on the fact we're going to start going to like a 48-team World Cup. It's going to take three months and be completely awful. But <laughs> that's for another day. But yeah, hopefully we're... Uh, we put ourselves in a great position. All we can do now is keep being what's in front of us. You know, Porto are no mugs. Um, neither of Copenhagen, to be fair. They were very, very, very good. Um, very well set up and organised and defensively kind of very, very solid. And they'll feel aggrieved, as will Porto, I think, that they didn't take something from the games at the King Power because we did ride our luck at times against both teams. Um, so we just got to kind of roll with the punches, see what we can do and um, hopefully pull off a bit of a shock in you know either the last 16 or the, the quarterfinal should we kind of manage to to squeak through the next round yeah all right on to you mark liverpool and chelsea the only two teams in the top 10 uh to secure a win this weekend when tottenham drew i was very concerned but then basically everyone did the same your lot obviously picking up all three points what was your view of that one it's quite ironic that um liverpool and chelsea are the only team this week not involved in european action as well could be hmm, uh, coincidence it, I think could, not. <laughs> it could be that after the international fixtures as well, a lot of the big players looked looked a bit leggy last week, and it could just be that at the start of the season, it, it, you know, it might not be. It might be a. It, it might be a good sign. I know for Liverpool, it's been a massive plus point not being in in the Europa League. Yesterday's result, I don't think we would have won yesterday if we'd have had to have a Thursday away trip somewhere or, or over Europe, but. Um, no, it's it's been a it's been a it's been a really good week and it's been a really good start to the season. Sitting on twenty points with with nine played is is massive. It just means that next week's away trip to Crystal Palace is technically a free game, uh, especially with the Benteke narrative. It's going to be running all over it. Um, yesterday's game, the most important thing when you're playing a mid-table defensive boring team like Manchester United, I mean, sorry, like West Brom, um, you got to <laughs> score the first goal. And and that's what we did do. I mean, 
Pulis has, has done a typical Jose Marino. He had six at the back to start off with. There was not much space. There was not much happening. And it was just one drop of the shoulder by Coutinho. He's took out two West Brom players. It's a good ball by Shan to Firmino. It's an amazing ball by Firmino over the head um, to sit onto Mane's right foot. And he's just put it in the back of the net. 1-0, 25 minutes gone, and it's game over, pretty much, because Brom just didn't know what to do. And we're very did very well to get that second before half-time. And in, in the second half, I started actually just thinking, how many can they score here? And, you know, in an ideal world, they would have got three or four. Some good stops by Foster and some poor last choices by Liverpool, but we were cruising in second, second gear. Um it's a shame the last 10 minutes that West Brom got their goal. It made it quite a nervy final few minutes, especially with you know exactly what West Brom are going to do. But it was good game management to see it out. And I would put it up there as one of our most important results of the season. I seem to be saying this every week. You know, It's, it's our most important result of the season going into next week uh, against Palace. So very, very happy at the moment. Yeah, I saw somebody online saying that it's time to get used to the fact that Adam Lallana is more helpful to this Liverpool team than Daniel Sturridge is at the moment. Do you think that that falls closer to the truth or more of kind of a form situation? No, I, I totally agree with that. I think we, we really missed um, Lallana in the first sort of 60 minutes against against United. He just links the play so well. He keeps the ball. He's He, he reminds me a lot of what Modric was like at Tottenham. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> And it's a bit of a statement, but he's 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 doing a similar sort of role at centre midfield, and he's he's you know he's scoring goals, he's getting assists, he's doing things that he he hasn't been doing his whole time at Liverpool, and it's and it's I, I said this the last time I was on this show, um, he is just all the players that Klopp has has worked with, he's the one who has improved the most, and at the start of the season. We were all wondering where he's going to get a game, but he's being moved back into centre midfield. Uh, he's like he's a number ten playing in centre midfield with with Ronaldo. Um, you know, I know I know he missed out yesterday, but our, our starting lineup is Henderson, Ronaldo, and and the Lana, and those boys are, are doing so well in there. And um, Daniel Sturridge is an odd one. You know, he hasn't scored for nearly half a year in Premiership. He's um, he's I think he's trying a little too hard when he when he's there because he knows he has to score he's very proud of his scoring record he wants to increase on it but Firmino is the starting number nine at the moment whether he likes it or not um and you know you can't take Firmino out of this team because he's he's uh he's he's assisting he's scoring himself he does so much for the team um you know it's it's a great option to have uh Danny Sturridge with 30 minutes to go if you need a goal I don't think there's any other forward uh, in in the league that you'd have in that situation, but at the same time, um, he, he's struggling to sort of find his place because he wants to be the star man. He he wants to be the man of this Liverpool team, but he's quite clearly not. And you know he, he is struggling. But for for like the squad, we need a strong squad if we're going to do anything this season. And to have a player like Daniel Sturridge on the bench um, is, is an amazing option to have. Do you think that he'll be comfortable with that long term or could you see him potentially moving on? Because you also have Divock Origi, who before his injury last season started to really impress. Yeah, I mean, who knows? He's on a, he's on a good wage. Um, he's, I mean, he's, he's still got plenty of, plenty of years in the tank. 
Um, I mean, he could quite easily force a move. But again, for like Liverpool and for Klopp, he's got Firmino and you could argue that maybe Origi is 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 a second or third, you know, he's, he's the, the, the joint second and third choice at the moment. But if, if, if he were to go, it wouldn't be the end of the world because, like I say, we have got Firmino and there, there is definitely, uh, there will definitely be another forward out there that Klopp would want to bring in um, if, if, if he were to go. Fair enough. Uh, for Tottenham, uh, it has been a week of draws for us. Uh, three consecutive, uh, West Brom, Leverkusen, and then uh, this week against Bournemouth, all away fixtures. But uh, even Hugo Lloris came out and basically said our forwards need to be more aggressive, which I'm a little concerned about because I know he means in front of goal, but I'm concerned Della Ali and Eric Lamella will think he means literally and then just start getting even more yellow cards if that's possible. Um, the refereeing was a little iffy in this match. We were going in hard on challenges, and some of them were rightfully yellows, but it seemed like th- they weren't being reciprocated as much, although that was all made up for uh, when Musa Sissoko just straight WWE-styled elbowed Harry Archer straight in the face um, and was not called for anything. We don't yet know if it was in the referee's report or not, so we don't know if there will be retroactive uh, suspension coming his way. There probably should be. I'd say probably somewhere between three and five games. Um, just because isn't three what Aguero got? And that was a chest shot. And this is to the head. And especially like with concussions starting to be a, a more looked at issue in football, maybe, you know, that's something that's looked at as well. But uh, all in all, I don't want to take anything away from Bournemouth. They played incredibly well. They pressed us throughout. They played some pretty tidy football at times. This was not, this is the kind of nil-nil draw, I know that we've already had a dig at Americans on the show, but this is the kind of nil-nil draw that was a very interesting watch. This was not just two teams setting out to defend, there was just a lot of back and forth that ended in very little as far as goals go. Uh, Tottenham did limit Bournemouth to just one shot on target. It's been four matches since we've conceded more than that. Um so obviously the defensive uh, unit doing their duty. Eric Dyer sliding back into center back has been terrific. No surprise. I think that's actually his best position. Um, but worth noting, just because he's spent a whole year playing defensive midfield, it is good to see that he can still deputize back there. We haven't missed Toby too much. Uh, Hugo Lloris, massive for us again. That one shot could have been the decider. Uh, and obviously Lloris kept it out. There was a double challenge pretty late in play. I want to say it was around the 82nd minute, if memory serves. Um where we had two lunging challenges in the box um, with uh, Jan Vertonghen having the second one. A guy was tweeting at me saying, you know, is that not a reckless challenge? And I've looked at it a few more times. There was no replay in the match because we immediately launched a counter. So you only get the wide angle. I haven't found yet a a close-up. My my thought is he gets the ball. It's one-footed. The studs are slightly raised, but I don't think it can be deemed reckless if you get the ball, because that means you are under control if you've gotten what you were intending to do. He didn't even contact him before he got the ball. I think that was clean, although it was a very heavy challenge. You've seen them given. You don't want to give the referee the choice, but I do think that that one ended up being a clean challenge for us. Back to Larissa's thing. I just think it's uh, there isn't enough attack. The Sun thing worked for us really well. We had a whole show about how you know, Tottenham with Sun up front and Firmino up front for Liverpool and Alexis up front for Arsenal. How these are all basically the same situation. Tottenham, obviously the least familiar with it, very much struggled in this one. Bournemouth were not allowing themselves to be pulled around by Sun's movement. 
Um, Della Ali was a little predictable. Ericsson has not been up to snuff lately. Although I just saw that he has the most distance traveled in Europe. And I know a lot of people want to come out and praise that. But I still feel like that is misusing Christian Ericsson. I know Seifu, the editor of this show, specifically disagrees. For me, Ericsson is a true creative number 10. And we keep using him in other ways. And I think it's diminishing his importance to the team and I would not be surprised if he started uh, seeking a move soon. It's very important for us that he be part of the high press, um, which I, I totally understand. But it is sapping away his creative ability, which we are sorely lacking right now. Eric Lamella ended up leading the team in chances created with four, but it didn't feel like we had four very good chances. He did also put a shot off the uh, upright, but it, it just never felt like we were going to score. To our <laughs> defense, it didn't look like they were going to score either. But uh, very interesting in the middle third throughout this one. And the second straight match where the last 10 minutes we were just strapping in, hoping <laughs> hoping to God that we could keep that clean sheet because the Leverkusen match was very similar. Although we did dominate the first half of the Leverkusen match, but they adjusted very well at halftime. Uh, Jim mentioned how well the uh, English teams are doing in the Champions League. Uh, let's see. We're second, I believe. We're Arsenal. First, City second, obviously, after... <laughs> <laughs> that match against Barcelona. But our group is very, very tight uh, with teams at 5-4-3-2. Basically, whoever can win the Tottenham-Leverkusen match, the Leverkusen-Monaco match. I, I think Seska are the team that have dropped out of the race, really. But th- we need to start getting some uh, wins in there pretty quickly, or we could be in trouble of crashing out, which Jim also mentioned. We worked so hard to get up into this position that it would be a real shame if we managed to, to mess it up and then fall out. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, and now we're going to head into the topic where we're basically at the quarter point of the season. I just want to get your guys' opinions on what's been the biggest surprise for you thus far in this Premier League year. And what is the team that you most under or overestimated coming into the season? Uh, we'll start with you, Jim. Um, one of the biggest surprises for me, um, I'm not. I thought Middlesbrough were going to be a lot better than they have been so far. 
Um, I know they got a, a draw against Arsenal yesterday and, and potentially should have won the game. Um, I just felt that they had the the kind of, of all the promoted teams, I, th- I thought they were in the best position to build on the foundations they had within the squad and stuff. Like I know Karanka's um, relationship uh, with the the board and the players can be a bit frosty at times. He had that situation uh, in the championship last year where he essentially wasn't in charge for a couple of days. Um, his assistant took charge of a, a game um, that, that was a, a big uh, a big match. I think it was at Charlton and they lost, I think, um, off the top of my head. And then he kind of came back and obviously steadied the ship and they went up. But I felt like they probably had a bit more uh, to give this year. I thought the signing of Negredo was quite shrewd and he's done pretty much nothing um, since the first day. And obviously they're, they're picking up points, but I was expecting them to potentially be like a surprise package of this year. Um, so I was a little bit disappointed in what I've seen of them so far. Um, in terms of teams that um, I call right, I think, um, certainly in terms of like pre-season, obviously the, the industry that I work in is essentially predictions um, over and over. So um, there's plenty of evidence out there on what I've said I'd expect to happen this year. But Sunderland are terrible. I mean, they are just so awful. And I could, I can just, they're just going to sink like a stone. Um you know, everything about their last couple of years suggested relegation this year. Like they haven't finished above, I think it was above 15th in like four years, which if you're hanging around that time, uh, that kind of position in the league, it's basically a matter of time unless you change something drastically. Um, and, you know, obviously a bit, uh, Sam Allardyce kind of worked his magic and kept them up uh, last year, left pretty much just before the start of the season to take the England job. Obviously, that's not worked out well for him. Um, and they were kind of left with David Moyes as their as their kind of go-to manager to, to, to get them um, ready for the start of the season. And he, he is just... I, I'm not convinced at all. Like it's not just the fact he's failed at Man U. It's not just the fact he didn't do particularly well at Real Sociedad. Like yeah, Everton, he they, they did fine, um, and he, he was very well lauded for his work there, and obviously earned his his big move to Manchester United to become Sir Alex's heir or what we thought was going to be um, at that point. They're just not a very good football team. They don't have the resources seemingly to strengthen either. Like I know David Moyes admitted as much himself that. You know, he was told at the start of the, the deal that there wasn't going to be much kind of scope for a massive improvement in terms of finances, which is odd given that, you know, we've got this new TV deal and there's a lot of money involved and stuff. And, and the ownership situation there is difficult in terms of investing um, money into the team. But, you know, there are a lot of, you know, none of the teams that have come up, maybe bar Hull. Um, uh, were certs to go down. Uh, obviously, Hull made that fantastic start. So they've got a little bit of a leg up on the likes of Burnley and Middlesbrough. Um but Sunderland just look awful, and I just I I, I can see them really struggling. But and but they're in a position now where they've changed manager so often that if you pull the trigger now, do you go back to Sam Allardyce? If you do that, that's kind of got all kind of repercussions based on you know the LMA situation and whether they're going to take action against him and the fact that he said he wanted some time out for going back to management. And the fact of the matter is, if he's you know back in a, a working capacity in three three months, say he could get a much better job than Sunderland. Still, despite the fact of what's happened, there's no need for him to go back to a club that he knows inside out and probably knew, you know, it is going to be a really tough job to stay in the league this year. So I think that they're the two that, for me, have kind of surprised me as much. Liverpool, probably, again, probably the second most surprising team for me because I wasn't expecting them to do 
quite as much this year of the of the two teams that you know could potentially challenge for the title that didn't have European football. I thought it would be Chelsea um, that would kick on, and I was very kind of buoyant about their chances. And obviously, they did well today. Um, but yeah, Liverpool have have been very very impressive um, this year, and you know that's a, a refreshing thing for me to have another team that could potentially really kind of challenge. Um, at the top end because you know I, I like the way they play I enjoyed the style of football and I think Klopp's brilliant value um, both media wise and, and personally so yeah they're the, they're the kind of takeaway points I guess from the early quarter of the season for me it's a, it's a really good question this and I've been sort of sat here looking at the table thinking well what what has surprised me so far this, this season and I don't know if it's a sitting on a fence answer but n- not really you look at all the teams and, and where they are you know, you wouldn't be surprised come the end of the season, there or thereabouts, if the top seven is the same top seven in a, in a different order. You wouldn't be surpri- surprised at all if the bottom ten is the same bottom ten in, in, a, in a different order. Um, and it's, you know, it may be Leicester be uh, switched Leicester with Watford, but, you know, there hasn't been uh, any any major surprises of any teams that's doing really better than it should be or any teams doing a lot worse than it should be. Um Middlesbrough, they, yeah, I agree with Jim. They are a funny team. You, you'd think, especially the way they, they, they had a pretty decent first few games, but then they have sort of fallen away from there. Sunderland, that was predictable. Um, they're just a team on the decline, and they have been a team on the decline, and they should really be on the championship, but they just seem to have like a, a decent last eight weeks of the season. Um, Swansea changing the manager so soon, yeah, but you can't start like that and with new owners and not expect to be still in your job. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, going on to what I predicted and and uh, where, where we are right now, I did predict Liverpool to start well, and I'm and I'm I'm glad that you know Liverpool on a personal point have have, have continued to do so. I did say that if Benteke gets into a team where he is the main man, then he, he will score goals. And last two weeks, it's been a crossbar and a, and a missed penalty. Otherwise, he would have had a very decent return and my fantasy team would look a lot stronger than it currently is. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the main one, I said that United would struggle. I said you can't have that many divas in a team and uh, and get away with it. I'm surprised that Rooney's lost his place so early on in the season. Rooney has bowed to fan pressure on that one. Um, but I, I did predict that they would struggle. It's not going to be a case of spending God knows how much money and making it all better, um, which I'm very glad that I've I've, uh, that I've been proved right on that one because today was a glorious result. For anybody who missed it, Chelsea won them 4-0. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> for me, I, I went back and looked at my uh, table prediction preseason and there is a three-way tie. <laughs> it's that I was six points too high on Manchester United, West Ham, and Stoke. Um, so that's not gone particularly well. Um, obviously, a lot of people had United doing very well. I actually had them as my title favorites. Uh, but obviously, the one concern there was always going to be was chemistry issues, which, uh, oh, hey, we, we found them already nine weeks into the season. Um, Mourinho going at Conte today, going back to Chelsea, getting humiliated like that, uh, as Mark just mentioned, is obviously a massive blow for them. West Ham, uh, I'm thinking that I, I really wish I put a date on when I did this, because I would assume it was before West Ham had all of their injuries. I actually think they've done somewhat well, um, at least the last couple of weeks, considering 
you know, they spent so much on AU, didn't have him. They kind of built this team to be around Carroll. He's been out. Uh, then they have um, Cresswell out for so long, who was so important for them last year. They get him back for a week, and then he gets a red card, and he's out again. There are a lot of issues going on at West Ham, so I'll forgive that one a little bit. Soak have been largely dreadful. Um, the Shakiri goal yesterday was brilliant, by the way. But uh, still haven't been very impressed with what they're doing either. Uh, maybe, maybe they'll they'll really start turning it around. But Boney is, is looks just a shadow of who he was at Swansea, and I think yeah, myself as well as a that. lot of yeah, I, I think myself and a lot of people thought you know maybe it was just a bad fit at City. They don't, they don't play a style his way, kind of like you were saying about Benteke, Mark. Like mm-hmm. the, the stylistically, Boney didn't fit what City did the same way Benteke didn't fit stylistically what was happening at Liverpool. So I kind of assumed as soon as he left, it would really start working, especially with players like. Bojan and Joe Allen and Arnautovic and Shakiri, like that squad is built to kind of get forward quickly, whip the ball in. That should suit Boney, and it just hasn't. Um, and I think that could really kind of be their undoing. Although I do like Joe Allen, they're playing him a little bit more advanced uh, than they were originally. So now he's playing where Bojan used to play as the 10. Um, and I, I really liked the Mbula signing in January. I thought that was a really sneaky one, considering he was so much higher valued just six months previously. In theory, it should work, uh, and it hasn't thus far. Um, I'd say United probably the biggest surprise as far as what I've done. <laughs> the biggest thing, not the biggest thing, but one of the weirdest things that I called preseason that has come true, and <laughs> Jim, you'll be familiar with this, as I said before the season started that Jamie Vardy would not be Leicester's best forward by the end of the year. And I've done it with a few months to spare. Slomani, clearly already the better player. Uh, for me, anyway, uh, Musa is originally the one I made that bet about because I loved what he did in Russia. Then he came here early, looked very bright, except he was a little goal shy. Does finally get on the score sheet here. If we had to fast forward, Jim, to the end of the season, how would you rank your four forwards? Um, I think, yeah, it's it's difficult. The, I, I touched upon it earlier. Like The problem with Okazaki, well, not the problem, but the kind of selection headache for Claudio is that Okazaki brings the best out of Soleimani, who's clearly the best forward that we have. So the problem that you have is that if you play Vardy and Soleimani, you're sacrificing the best of Soleimani just to get Vardy on the pitch. And when he's not firing, he's a very, very streaky player, as we've seen. Like obviously, broke the goal-scoring record last year and now kind of hasn't really fired at all this year. And had periods of last year, to be fair, where he wasn't scoring. It was only really Mares and um, the, the midfield guys that were popping us up goal-wise. He wasn't scoring every game. Um, I, I think he got 20, he get 23 for the season. Um, but obviously, I think 13 of those came in that run of, of, of 11 games, of 12 games. So, you know, that... That's quite a definition of a streaky player, I think. Um, but in terms of ranking off forwards, Soleimani one. Um, it's weird because Musa should be two, but we're now deploying him out wide, uh, which is good. And then for me, it's a toss-up between you know Okazaki and Vardy. But the problem is, like I said, the value of playing Okazaki in terms of he won't bring, he won't score twenty goals a season. He might not even get double figures. Um, I'd be very surprised if he did, even if he started every game. But what he does is he links the play so much better. And that probably has a knock-on effect of up to seven or eight goals probably on Soleimani's season. And when you talk about your best player, your club record signing, getting six or seven more goals over a season because of who his strike partner is, 
Um, even if that strike partner isn't chipping in double figures himself, then it's got to be worth kind of rolling with that system, at least for now. Um, especially because, obviously, Tottenham aside, we've got some more winnable games than we've been used to. So I think that's the time for us to kind of go on the offensive and, and try these tactics out because it is an extremely attacking lineup. You're essentially playing 4 2 4 at times. If you start um, Moussa on one wing, um, Mares on the other, and then you've got Okazaki and Silamani through the middle. It's a really, really attacking team, and it, it's it's no surprise that we kind of let the shackles off against Palace and scored three times. Um, I know they were missing Scott Dan and stuff, but yeah, that that's how I'd rank it at the moment. Um, obviously, things can change if Vardy gets on a hot streak, but it's looking difficult for him to get enough minutes on the pitch to to show that at the moment. Mm. All right, well, thanks for that. Now we're going to head into Player Watch, where we're quickly going to go through and mention a player that impressed and one that disappointed for our clubs this weekend. If there wasn't one that you want to single out for disappointing, you can pick someone from the other team who stood out to you. Uh, Jim, obviously, talking about Leicester. Uh, yeah, it, it's difficult to criticise too much um, from the Leicester side. Um, I thought... Um, I was a little bit disappointed in the centre-backs. I thought... Um, Huth and, and Morgan were, were good in, in patches, but I thought they looked aerially vulnerable, obviously, against Benteke. That's that's no um, surprise. Um, he's a very, very big guy. Um, but it was it was just one of those where um, I don't think they had their, their best game. Um, but again, very minimal criticism. I was, I was surprised um, that we didn't kind of make more of the fact that they were basically playing one man through the middle. And that we could have essentially put a bit more pressure on him. Um, he seemed to get a lot of opportunities in the air. And like I said, we were lucky not to be one down. So it was a very minimal criticism. But I think that's because on the whole, kind of everybody had a very, very good game. Andy King actually wasn't brilliant. Um, it, he he is in a battle at the moment with Daniel Amate for that central midfield spot with alongside Danny Drinkwater. Um, and I think he is... He's not being shown up, but I don't think he's shown himself in his best light, um, particularly because if we play such an attacking formation, he has to do a lot more defensive work than he's used to. Um, He'd like to be the guy going forward, but obviously Danny Drinkwater is excelling in that role, so he kind of has to sit back a little bit, and it's it's not his natural game. He's certainly more attacking-minded than defensive. Um, In terms of player of the game, no doubt about it, Shinji Okasaki for me was was brilliant. Um, Obviously, the, the miss aside at the beginning of the game, he was exceptional. Um, the quality uh, of play that he brings in, he works so hard. And when you've got Soleimani charging around up front, um, the two of them just make a brilliant partnership. And it's really exciting that if if Okazaki can stay fit and Soleimani can keep up the the kind of early form of assists and finding the net, then that's a that could be a really potent partnership kind of going forward, um, both in Champions League and and domestically as well. All right, and Mark for Liverpool. Yeah. Um... Most Im- impressive player, and it's probably my most impressive player of the season, uh, Coutinho. He's uh, he's just playing so well. He's involved in you know nearly every goal that we score. He's, he's got something to play, part playing it. He, he's our most important player at the moment. Um, you know, it's good to see Mane get another goal. Uh, Firmino getting getting an assist, uh, and um, so there was some good performances yesterday. You know, it is disappointing to to let a goal in. Uh, there's been a lot of criticism for Carriers for he, he coming for crosses and whatnot, but for anybody who's watched him in Germany, have always said you know he's not the best on crosses, so don't expect him to become 
really good over here. You know, he's, he's going to take time to adapt. And he's having, you know, he's, he's maybe suffering a little bit the same as what De Gea did when, when he first came over. Um, if, if he can turn out to be half the player De Gea is, then we've got a good goalkeeper on our hands. It's, it's too early to give him criticism. He's only played a handful of games. So people, especially Liverpool fans, just need to lay off him. But there's nobody that really did disappoint. Um, I think so then I've got to praise a West Brom player and, you know, Ben Foster. Uh, he, you know, he he kept out Liverpool twice, which could have made it a lot more of, of a stronger scoreline than, than than what it was. So I'd have to give him a, a little bit of praise. But you know, I don't really like giving West Brom players praise just because I don't like Pulis that much. <laughs> also, Chadley looked pretty good in that one, especially towards the end. But wasted an opportunity uh, and looks to be their only player who uh, wants to get forward at any given point um, for Tottenham. I already mentioned Eric Dyer. He was easily easily the player who impressed the most. And it's one of those situations where really the lack of anything happening is is proof positive of what he's done. There were no real big issues at the back. Dyer just stepping in, much like Vimmer did last year for Vertonghen. Uh, and knowing we have that depth defensively is very comforting. As a Spurs fan who just finds it incredible that we have statistically and by all measurable ways, literally the best defense in the Premier League, still just four goals conceded. Uh, and considering how leaky we used to be uh, as recently as like three or four years ago, it's it's incredible. Uh, and that it's not just our first line, it's also our back line. Like Kieran Trippier impressed a lot in the Leverkusen match. We've had some good matches out of Ben Davis in the past. So very pleased with, with everyone at the back there. And even Vorm filling in for Lloris. Vorm gets a lot of hatred, but it's because everybody's comparing him to Lloris. Uh, Vorm probably not that far out of the top five Tottenham keepers in history. Um, we have not been phenomenal at that position often. Uh, but the fact that we have Lloris at the top there, obviously, is is incredible for us. Uh, for a player that disappointed... It, it's back to him again, and I know that some people think his position has changed. I just think that we are letting Erickson's natural talent down by util- utilizing him the way we are. He does weirdly have um, the most shots on target for Tottenham, which I guess isn't that weird because Kane's been in and out. Um, but still, very, very frustrating. Oh, uh, one last defensive point I wanted to make. Uh, Hugo Lloris has faced the 19th most uh, shots in the Premier League. That's how few shots we're allowing in. And the team in 20th is Manchester City, who are split across Hart, Caballero, and Bravo. So uh, just further proof of, of how good our defense has been. But Erickson just not doing it for me. Just not the creative presence that we expect. Del Ali can be a bit unpredictable, but that means sometimes he's not great. Uh, Lamella has not been having the year that I expected he'd have. And Son who had looked so good kind of in that roaming nine role, uh, was pretty ineffective in this one as well. I, I was very surprised that we took Della Ali off um, as early as we did. It seemed like he was the one player most likely to do something of note. Uh, so very frustrating that he didn't, um, or, or that he was removed too early. Sissoko and Jansen should be our first subs off the bench, considering you know we paid £48 million combined for them. But I don't think there's much confidence in them right now, uh, unfortunately. So... Uh, you know, I, I've praised Pochettino a lot the past few weeks, but I do think uh, maybe those substitutions were wrong, but there wasn't really anyone better on the bench. Maybe Josh Onoma, 
but he's still young. I prefer to put him in in winning situations. But uh, all in all, that, that was pretty disappointing. We just need goals. Uh, Harry Kane is returning to full training this week <laughs> just in time uh, to see Liverpool and Leicester, the teams of these guys on the show right now, although I don't think we'll see him midweek. Uh, but that does lead very conveniently. Uh, Jamie, you're just going to be left out here a little bit. Uh, Mark, let's talk a little bit about that Liverpool versus Tottenham match midweek in the EFL Cup. How do you think Liverpool are going to approach it? Pochettino already said we're largely going to play the kids uh, in this one. Are you going to do the same, or do you think you'll see a pretty strong lineup from Liverpool? See, I understand Tottenham playing a weakened team, the kids, because you've played a lot more football. Liverpool, like I mentioned at the start, don't have European football this year, and I would not be surprised if you were to see um, only a few changes from the game at, uh, from West Brom. Um you probably would see Origi start. Um, maybe Wijnaldum starts just to get his uh, his, his legs in. Uh, Sean would start, I reckon, you know, because he's he's had two games in a row now, and Klopp does view him as an important player, and he does need minutes after his his injury. But apart from that, I, you know, maybe Mingyle starts in goal just to keep him happy. Um, I w- I, I really would not be surprised if the back four gets changed at all. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one because it's, it's at this stage of the season we are on such a good run. You either make lots of changes and risk losing your momentum, which um, you know you can't be denied, or you go for it and you play a strong team, and you can maybe pick up an injury or a, you know a player becomes lack of fitness for then the weekend game against Palace which is obviously the more important game in all of in all of this so you know it's, I don't think it's an easiest decision for Klopp as it is for Pochettino but um, I'm looking forward to it you know it's, it's, it, I'm not going to lie I've not watched any of the League Cup football prior but um, it's getting interesting now especially with the fixtures I think it's West Ham, Chelsea, United, City, City. and Liverpool Tottenham is that right? Yeah, yeah. So there's some, there's some big games on this week. You know, it's the, this is where the cup gets gets interesting. Yeah, uh, like I said, I do think we're going to largely see the kids. Uh, I don't know why I phrase that like it's my opinion. Pochettino literally said it. Um, so we'll <laughs> see uh, how true to form that goes. I do think we'll see Onama. I do think we'll see Cameron Carter-Vickers in this one. Uh, there's been some debating on Marcus Edwards. He did pick up a slight knock right before the Leverkusen match that kept him uh, from being on the bench, which he was expected to to be. Uh, so uh, interested to see if he gets his chance. I think Jansen gets the start up front. We, we desperately need him to get clicking, although now it kind of doesn't matter because now Kane's going to be back. I don't think we're expecting to advance in this competition. As Mark mentioned, they kind of need more competitions to, to rotate to keep some players happy. We, on the other hand, I don't think would be much uh, chagrined at all if we were no longer in this competition. Although that is kind of the nature of the League Cup, that if you win, you're really happy. And if you lose, you say it doesn't matter. Uh, that seems yeah. to be the way of it. But I'm getting ahead of that and saying it already doesn't matter, regardless of result um, for us yeah. anyway. Uh, so I think that'll, that'll. So go on, and if if you were to predict, if you were to predict Tottenham's team right now, what would oh, be your goodness. eleven? Okay, well you know what, I got a pad next to me here. All right, we'll go, we'll go Vorm. Uh, why, 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 why do we do this? We do goalkeeper. You you say your goalkeeper, I'll say our goalkeeper. We'll do it for a oh, time. Yeah, yeah. I like it. That's a good idea. Right? You should host the show or something. Okay, we're gonna go. I'm helping you out. I could tell you were struggling. I like it. I like it. I put you on the spot. I do apologize. (laughs) I go. No worries. 
So yeah, we got Vorm at the back. All right, so we will go Mingyule. Yeah, then I think Trippier at right back. Okay, I'm going to go Klein. All right, then Cameron Carter-Vickers at center back. Yeah, Lovren. Uh, sorry, uh, Matip. All right, then Vimmer at left center back. Yeah, Lovren. All right, and then I'll go uh, Davis at left back. Milner, left back. Uh, oh, uh, how quickly do the FA have to announce if Sissoko suspended? They have to pretty much do it pretty pretty quickly, right? They'll have to do it tomorrow. Yeah, because we play Tuesday. Appeal, play Tuesday. <laughs> I, I think so. Sissoko could potentially play this one. Oh, right, because if he appeals it, that will be past the match. All right, then I'll yeah. go uh, Sissoko on the wing. So, Sean starting because Henderson suspended. He picked up his fifth yellow of the season. So, tactically, he now cheekily misses the League Cup. And then he's back for Palace, which is really nice. Mm. So, Sean will be starting midfield. Ah, well, yeah, I, I jumped up to the wing. Wanyama will be starting in that position. Or, or, yeah, yeah, probably still Wanyama. Um, then, in front of him, we're probably going to see Ali and Onoma. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll have um, Lalana and Aldum. Yeah. I don't know who we'd put out on the left, honestly. Um, oh, and Kudu. Duh. Yep. So, uh, I reckon then it would be Firmino. I reckon I reckon Coutinho has his rest, so Firmino. Yeah. And then I think Jensen tips the spear for us. Yeah, and then last two players, Mane, just because we've got nobody else in the squad that does the Mane role. And then it's either Sturridge... Because he didn't come on at all against West Brom, so Sturridge, or he could leave Sturridge on the bench and play Origi, but I reckon Sturridge would get his start. So, yeah. looks like we just picked the team for him. We don't even need Klopp and Pacino to do their job. Yeah, we, just we got it. Sorted it. <laughs> sorted it. Well done. We we did it. Uh, if I had to guess the scoreline, I'd say, hmm, 3-1 Liverpool. Yeah, I think... It would be two goals in it either side. The main thing for me, no extra time, no penalties, none of that nonsense. Just let let it be decided over 90 minutes. I reckon there'll be two goals in it um, go, going either way. Yeah. All right. Well, that will do it for us. So, guys, if you want to tell the folks where they can reach you, now would be a good time. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I've been Jim. You can find me on Twitter at Jim988. I'm also the gaming content manager for a company called Perform. So, a lot of different websites, sports portals um, that include Soccerway, Goal.com and Opta as well. So if betting's your thing, then uh, feel free to look us up on any of those. So my name is Mark Simpson and I've been representing in Liverpool. Uh, I've got a, a cheeky little shout. I uh, have just wrote a blog um, and it's how you can save money when booking a hotel room. Uh, in the UK so if, if anybody is listening to this and has booked a, a hotel room to stay in a hotel room but you want to save money next time you do it I've wrote a little blog so it's www.boostly.co.uk forward slash save and I'll, I'll send Kev the link for it but this is proven to work it's guaranteed to work if you if you try this, this method you'll you'll save some decent money when booking a hotel room so go give it a go Ooh, that does sound interesting indeed. I'm Kevin DeVries, the host at Kevroff on Twitter. Uh, you can also find the FPL Roundtable and the Championship Roundtable on this very channel. Uh, me and Rob Langevin, who do the FPL show, 
both can be found uh, over at vip-bet.com. Don't 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 spell hyphen. Come on, you're better than that. Um, also check out the Eagles Beak, where I have a weekly fantasy article. Also check out our friends over at playtaga.com, which is definitely the best draft style fantasy game for all of those of you who are very very frustrated with the official game right now. Uh, as Aguero has a grand total of zero combined points the last two weeks. Um, all right, well that'll Yay. do it for us. Yeah, we did it. Good thing nobody captained him. I actually managed to captain Payet. I got one of like the three players that mattered that weren't Liverpool players this week. Um, but anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.